get started. All right, welcome to Bitcoin Tech Talk, issue number 240. It is Bitcoin is more credible than Elon. As always, this uh, newsletter goes out every Monday at uh, from jimmysong.substack.com, and I do publish it on my Twitter, which you can follow um, at jimmysong, obviously. All right, so let's get down to business. Bitcoin is more credible than Elon. Elon this week has started to criticize Bitcoin and began to ignite speculation about making a competitor out of Dogecoin. His attacks on Bitcoin's energy use have been debunked many times, but I found this response by Safety to be the most helpful from an economic perspective to understand why that energy needs to be spent. Jack Mahler also has an incredible tweet storm about Elon as well. In this piece, I'm going to explain how he likely got here and what's likely to happen. As I'll explain, we've seen this all before. There are two fundamental errors here that Elon is making, and these are mistakes that a whole host of different people have made in the past. The first error is that of treating Bitcoin as a technology only. This is generally born out of hubris, especially from technically minded people. After all, he's made a better rocket, a better electric car, and better tunnels. How hard can it be to build a better money? This would be true if money were like mousetraps, where incremental technical improvement is the main criteria for market adoption. Unfortunately, money is not just the technology that you use now. Money requires trust in its ability to hold value in the future. Thus, the feature that gets market adoption is having credible long-term scarcity. This is not a feature you can just bolt onto any money. Credibility is earned through historical record, not built like a battery or a tunnel. Consider this thought experiment. The US dollar could add all kinds of technical upgrades, such as fast settlement times, privacy, and other things. Would that suddenly make people want to store value in the dollar long term? Probably not, because the Fed will continue expanding the money supply. The reason why people don't hold dollars is not because of a lack of features. It's because of a lack of trust. In other words, there is a credibility gap that has to be bridged for a successful long-term money. This is especially true when the money is brand new. The question that any new money has to answer is, how can it be trusted to stay scarce going forward? Bitcoin does this through removing centralization and giving every user the ability to verify, not trust. A hacky way to bridge this credibility gap is what leads to the second error. Many attempt to use their own trustworthiness to overcome the credibility gap. The hope is that their own celebrity or track record for success would be enough for the currency that they endorse to become more credible than Bitcoin. Indeed, the entire altcoin space is driven by such alt personalities. Two coins can have the exact same technical features, but one ends up with a higher market cap because the creator of that coin is better known or has a better reputation. White papers and marketing materials are full of the biographies of the founders of the currency showing their degrees, positions, achievements, and so on. Yet, as the past 10 years have shown, money requires a different kind of credibility because it has to last over time. Personal endorsements only go so far and depend too much on the person. Money has to last past the life of the person endorsing it. 
Elon has clearly achieved a lot of things, but even he can't tell you how Tesla would be run after he dies. That's not because he's malicious or a liar, but because he's like all mortals. He can only make guarantees about himself. Money requires a different kind of credibility than the endorsement of a person. Indeed, assurances by people are nearly useless because the future is so uncertain. The people that make such promises can change their minds, and the governance can shift to others who don't share the same vision. Personal guarantees, in other words, are much harder to trust over the long term. Bitcoin has bridged this credibility gap the only way that it can be bridged, through time. Through 12 years of decentralized existence, and uh, the 21 million limit has been kept steady, and the soundness of the money continues to be verified by a network of decentralized nodes to a world that's been very skeptical. All coiners, such as Elon, Roger Ver, Vitalik Buterin, Charles Hodgkinson, Justin Sun, and many, many others rely on their own personal credibility to bridge the gap. As the market has shown, this is not nearly enough to make up for all the uncertainties of the future. Elon Musk is trying to use his immense celebrity and reputation to create a money centralized around him. Centralization, unfortunately, is very fragile over time and dependent on the right people staying in charge. A decentralized system is way more robust and thus easier to trust over the long term. Unfortunately, the people that are newer don't understand this long-term dynamic and have been betting on him instead. Sadly, they'll learn the lesson that every altcoin has learned, which is that personal credibility is no match for proof over time. All right, so that was uh, my thought piece on Elon and why he's going down this seemingly irrational route of Dogecoin. He uh, he does have some credibility with a lot of different people, and that's what he's trying to leverage. But as I said in this piece, this has been something that everyone has tried to do, um, and it, this is not an uncommon thing. Uh, I, I, I was told by Adam Back a long time ago about how he uh, he was approached to do an altcoin, and uh, and immediately he went to okay, why are they doing this? What do they gain out of it? What do I gain out of it? And he recognized almost right away that they were trying to leverage his reputation. It's because of that credibility gap. You need some credibility to know that this isn't a currency that's just going to go away. This is why the most successful altcoins tend to have foundations and creators that go out and market the coin. It's because they need other people to know that they're going to be around. But ultimately, this is a very fragile way to make money. And this is it's centralized and it's ultimately going to end up in the dustbin of history for that reason. And Bitcoin is unique in that regard because it doesn't rely on a central person to provide that credibility, it, it it uses decentralized nodes, verification. It That's how you get credibility in Bitcoin. So, um, yeah, I mean, Elon's uh, going down a well-trodden path, and I don't think he'll succeed. So we'll be watching, though. Um, uh, obviously, the Bitcoin price is, uh, is affected by what he's saying, but it'll get affected a little less each time. All right, let's uh, let's go on to some Bitcoin updates. The last difficulty adjustment period did not activate Taproot, and we're in a new period. 
Notably, via BTC is fully signaling, joining Ampool, F2Pool, Foundry USA, Slushpool, and Poolin. Binance Pool, BTC.com, Huobi Pool, BTC.top, and 1thash have all started partially signaling. Those five pools fully signaling, along with the current fully signaling miners, would total to about 94% of the network hash rate, which would be over the 90% necessary. The current period likely won't reach the threshold, so the earliest lock-in is when the next difficult period ends, which should be around June 10th. Regardless of when the taproot lock-in happens, as long as it does, taproot will activate around mid-November. Uh, so yeah, the... Um, the last period ended and the new period started. Uh, it was kind of a high difficulty jump. Uh, but, you know, the main thing to know is that uh, Binance Pool went from signaling not at all to signaling some, um, as did BTC.top. Um, and via BTC went from not signaling at all to fully signaling. So bo both things are very good. Um, and it bodes well for the next uh, difficulty adjustment period, which should begin around... May 26, 27, somewhere, somewhere around there. There was a bit of a dust-up a few weeks ago due to Luke Dash Jr.'s perceived actions. Many devs claim that this pull request that set the parameters of speedy trial for BIP341 wasn't merged per the normal BIP process. They claim Luke was stalling because he didn't agree with the BIP9 activation method that was being included. As he was the sole maintainer of the BIP repository, this led to anger by those that wanted the BIP updated. Luke proposed in this post to the mailing list for another maintainer and has subsequently gone forth. So Kali Alm will likely soon be a BIP maintainer. There's a good deal of debate as to whether the BIP process is something that will be used in the future. As lots of different organizations are publishing their own standards, there's some merit to not having a single repository for improvement proposals. It's a bit sad to see that the current soft fork is causing this much consternation. So what happened uh, was there, there's been um, quite a spirited debate around lot equals true, lot equals false, bit eight, bit nine. And, um, and there, there's been a lot of back and forth. And uh, essentially, bit nine activation method was decided for speedy trial. Um, BIP9 uses timestamps instead of block heights, and there, there were some really in-the-weeds arguments about that. And uh, Luke is known to be a BIP8 supporter um, and not BIP9, so he uh, you know, was perceived to have been dragging his feet on the update for BIP341 um, and has been criticized by many people, including people like Greg Maxwell. So, um, you know, they, they've been kind of going back and forth. I, uh, and yeah, you, you can go take a look at the pull request and uh, um, uh, the mailing list discussion for more details. Blockchain Commons has an initiative to promote some standardization for communication and air gaps. The idea here is to have a standard way of communicating between computers via QR codes so as to risk, reduce the risk of any sort of malware or infections. The standard ought to be very useful for any sort of cold wallet or offline storage of private keys and enhance security. 
My hope is that more tooling around these ideas become available to devs in the near future. So um, if you use like a USB drive or an SD card or even an audio cable, like having um, some sort of interface like that will generally um, add uh, to the attack surface. Uh, so blockchain commons is making sort of this QR code air gap um, standard, uh, which I think is pretty cool and hopefully gets implemented. All right, uh, Lightning. Anthony Ronning has an overview of all the privacy issues in Lightning. The post is very thorough and goes through the various ways in which an attacker may compromise some security, including uh, IP address, node identifiers, UTXOs being used, and what can be known about private channels and so on. Much like using Bitcoin for privacy, using Lightning in a private way requires work. And this is a great post to get started on preserving your own Lightning node privacy. So, um, you know, you do get a lot of things for free with Lightning. There's no on-chain record, for example. But that doesn't mean you can just sort of like rest on your privacy laurels. Um, you, you have to actually, uh, you know, think about all of the possible attack vectors. And Anthony does a great job of outlining the ones that uh, he could think of. Blockstream compares and contrasts the differences between Liquid and Lightning. As they note, they are built for different use cases and trade-offs are much easier to understand after reading this post. Liquid allows for strong privacy as the amounts or even the asset being traded is confidential, while some trust is required of the Liquid Federation. Lightning requires little trust, but as the previous story shows, privacy is harder. I'm still pretty surprised Liquid hasn't gained more traction, but then again, real markets take a while to develop, at least ones that aren't scammy. Uh, so yeah, Liquid and Lightning have some in interesting use cases, and they have different trade-offs, which I think uh, the Blockstream post did a very good job of showing. Um, you know, it, it is... Uh, uh, you know, both both of those uh, re will require some time to develop as markets, um, and you know it's a little frustrating because so much of um, the momentum and enthusiasm for those would uh, is sort of locked up in stupid altcoins or you know scammy um, products uh, all all along this space. Economics, engineering, etc. Francis Puglio has perhaps the best response to Elon's ridiculousness. As he points out, Elon's argument is like complaining about gravity. It's a fixed law, and Elon unfortunately has an inflated enough ego to think that such a thing can be changed by his force of will. I believe this to be the right framing of the issue, despite the fact that there are plenty of mistakes in Elon's argument. To fall into Elon's frame, which is to say that energy usage itself is a is itself a problem is to concede an important point. And, you know, his, uh, Francis's, uh, title for that blog post is cry harder. And I think that's the right way to sort of approach this is you're, you're making nonsense arguments and, um, you know, why don't you just go cry harder? If you have an actual, uh, real argument, then bring it instead of this ridiculous, uh, set of assumptions that you bring in. Another four wonderful articles from Bitcoin Magazine this week. And the first one is Alex Gladstein, who interviews people from Africa to show how much financial privilege we have in the West. 
As he points out, the problems Bitcoin solves in those places are things we take for granted and the concerns of the mungers and buffets of the world amount to first world problems. In other words, they miss so much of Bitcoin's value because they are so privileged. The monetary imperialism of the dollar is underrated as a problem in the West, but is obvious to most of the rest of the world. And, uh, and this is always a good reminder to know that there is this other, like the rest of the world that uh, consists of something like 85% of the world. And they have very different needs than, you know, Elon Musk, for example. So um, taking that into account and seeing the, uh, the way in which they perceive Bitcoin um, is very helpful in uh, moving Bitcoin forward. Herman Vivian argues that personal responsibility is the real fruit of Bitcoin. This is easy to miss because we're so used to outsourcing custody and thus responsibility of things we supposedly own. In a sense, Bitcoin brings us back to becoming more independent and becoming a society of people that are more self-reliant. Indeed, centralization of responsibility makes far too many irresponsible people leading to a less creation uh, to less creation and more destruction and bitcoin reverses this trend um so yeah the the real benefit of bitcoin is the addition of personal responsibility because we're all used to sort of outsourcing that and letting someone else take care of it uh, i thought it was a very good argument another fascinating article is about an anthropologist's perspective on bitcoin the article contrasts anthropologists with economists, the former of which describe and observe while the latter pre prescribe and dictate. Apparently, many anthropologists are studying the Bitcoin community in the same way as they would any particular culture. And I've observed some insights about the role of the community in Bitcoin in particular. Worth reading to see how actual academics, not fake ones like economists, approach analyzing the Bitcoin community. I, um, absolutely fascinating article. Just, you know, I, I've never thought about the Bitcoin community as something to be studied from an anthropological perspective, but it is an online community. It does have its own culture, so it's uh, definitely worthy of study. The final article is by Aaron Siegel, who sees Bitcoin as an entropy reducer. As he sees it, prices are the most important information that needs to freely flow for an efficient society and the money we use is how we measure that. The better the money, the less certainty or entropy there is in the market, allowing more people to better plan for the future. The article is great if you're into physics and information theory as the article makes use of some pretty heady concepts to make this argument. So ultimately, what, what he's saying is Bitcoin uh, reduces sort of the chaos of the future. And I, I, I think that's uh, essentially the argument is, he's making is that by reducing future uncertainty with Bitcoin, it helps people plan. It helps people uh, create things and, and instead of, uh, you know, just sort of living to, for today and destroying things, which fiat does. Quick hits. Uh, this takedown of quantum computing was very thorough. This is uh, a, an article I was, uh, uh, you know, given from like 2019. But the entire field has uh, a lot of very suspicious claims from uh, companies that want to write good press releases and not really talk about the actual tech underneath. Um, as the uh, article argues. Um, even the very little that quantum computing has done is 
likely sort of like you know uh, skewed and and so on like uh it did manage to factor 15 it needed like 4000 quantum gates they reduced it by just sort of cheating and no uh knowing that certain paths wouldn't be taken and only did those gates and so on bitmax research has a nice economic analysis of ethereum's centralized attempt at lowering their massive transaction fees this is eip 1559 and you know, they're attempting to reduce fees. Um, you know, this is uh, exactly like what the Fed would do if, uh, you know, inflation was too low or too high or something. Arthur Hayes talks about fear and the crazy markets we're seeing right now. Arthur, like just anything by Arthur Hayes, I automatically have to read because he's just so irreverent and interesting and his perspective is, uh, you know, top notch. So worth reading uh, if you if you haven't yet. Microsoft has stopped its Azure blockchain offering. I could have told you that that was completely useless many years ago, but they didn't listen to me. And Altcoin managed to get a pretty high market cap by sending a bunch of its pre-mine to Vitalik unsolicited. So I think this is like Shibu coin or something like that. And they sent uh, a significant amount of their coins to Vitalik and you know, they got to a very high market cap, making it look like uh, Vitalik was involved. This is um, absolutely crazy, but that's what's, that's how insane it is in the altcoin markets right now. I am going to be at Bitcoin 2021, June 4th and 5th, and the Bitcoin Standard Conference, August 12th to 14th in Mexico. Um, and the Programming Blockchain Seminar will be in both places, June 1st and 2nd. Uh, in Miami, August 10th and 11th in Mexico, I will be raising rates and announcing scholarships tomorrow. Um, on this week's Bitcoin Fixes This, I talked to MVK about hardware. Uh, we talked about tinkering, manufacturing, and craftsmanship. He had some great insight about how China has gained the lead in manufacturing and why it's not likely to give it up. Um, and I read through uh, this newsletter last week here on Twitter Spaces. And of course, I was on Tone Show to talk about Elon Tether and the Indy 500 car. Also on the Electric Soil podcast to talk Bitcoin. And uh, I talked about the new book to Faith Driven Investor and Real Vision Finance. Uh, my other books are Programming Bitcoin and the Little Bitcoin book, both of which you can get on Amazon. And uh, finally, Unchained Capital is now a sponsor of this newsletter. Um, and I just recently joined as an advisor and I am very familiar with what they're doing and what they're building. And if you're interested, please go over and check them out. Um, so that's about it. Um, and I think I will end the Twitter spaces slash stream here. Uh, Fiat Delenda Est. This song is done.